You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And this is a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And occasionally we look at sequels that are weird as shit. Yeah, we're looking at one of the weirdest sequels of the 80s. And that's a big statement. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of weird sequels in the 80s. But one of just the weirdest in terms of just like, what is this? Like in terms of just a curiosity that exists. And that's Teen Wolf 2. D-O-O. Jason Bateman <laughs> is Teen Wolf 2. Todd Howard is a regular guy. Hi. Bye. With a couple of problems. You just hit me with a dead frog. Jerk. Just like his cousin Scott. Feeling a little furry in there, buddy? The good news is he's going to college. This fine young man carries our hopes and dreams into the ring. The bad news is, he's going through a few changes. And when you do change, I'm going to be there to take you straight to the top. I don't howl. Now, you don't see any fangs, do you? It's not going to happen. <laughs> do you love to all your problems is staring you right in the face. Team Wolf 2. Strange boy. Yeah, what do you think about that? The T-O-O. Is this clever or is this stupid? I like it and I think it's cute but I think it's the wrong movie to have used it. <laughs> yeah, because we get it. Teen Wolf, he's also a Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf 2. Hey, hey, get it? What this movie suffers from is, one, it's rushed. Super rushed. They didn't go down the bogus journey route. Instead, they did a rehash of the first, and they did it in one of the laziest ways possible. But I also don't kind of blame the writer because he had no time. Yeah, we basically just get this time... Teen Wolf in college instead of Teen Wolf in high school. That's about all that's changed, really. They go right down the trope of like, let's do another sports theme. But instead of doing a team like basketball where everyone comes together, so it kind of makes sense. They do a solo sport in boxing. Yeah, they're hoping that he'll do the same for uh, boxing as Scott did for basketball. And it's okay, sure. One of the things I guess I like about the Teen Wolf universe is how quickly everybody accepts the fact that there's werewolves. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, kind of the goofiness of it. They're like, yeah, sweet, it's a werewolf. All right, cool. And they're like, well, we need a werewolf to come fight on the boxing team. Fun enough setup. You know, it, it suffers from having the sequelitis of doing the same thing, but at least it's like, I like that within the universe, we're just accepting werewolves are a thing. Yeah. Do you think this has any influence on Rocky? Because Rocky 4 came out in 85-ish, I think. 
I think it's 85. And I think Rocky 5 came out maybe 90, 1990? Maybe, yeah, maybe this is just in the in the Rocky train. You know, Rocky was popular. Rocky 4 was really popular. So maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the choice to lead to boxing was. I never heard exactly why they chose boxing, but I'm assuming a writer is rushed. They're like, damn, I need to put this script together how fast? And it's kind of like, well, what sport's in right now? Let's look at the movies. And of course, everyone knows about Rocky. And, you know, this movie came out in 87. It's probably written probably 86, maybe 87, but whatever it was. And they're like, boxing's popular. And they're like, perfect. But it doesn't make any sense because at least with the team aspect of the first one, everyone's coming together. This one... You know, he should get his ass kicked at the end. Right. This one is so about self. And I wonder if that has a direct connection to like the nepotism of this being like a Jason Bateman vehicle. Yeah, it's a it's a Bateman house vehicle, I would say, because his mother, Kent Bateman. I mean, at the time period, the Batemans were known in Hollywood. All right, you know, you had Jason Bateman's just starting. His sister was involved also in Hollywood later on. So, but I believe the mother and father combination were both producers and not so much even more producers. They were running production houses, correct? I don't know. This is not, I don't know anything about the Bateman parents. I don't know. I think, I think that's what it was, is she was running a production production house and i think wanted her son to get a lead role and maybe produced help produce it for atlantic releasing which did this also mm-hmm. and then i did paramount also do this I can't. yeah paramount put this out on vhs yeah so they didn't sell the sequel rights okay so they kept the sequel rights of distribution with atlantic producing it and doing all this so she came in probably with a big name and they're like, yeah, sure. We wanted to do a second one anyway. The first one was super popular. Why not? But I mean, this came out two years after and from the Shout Fact documentary, I believe this guy wrote this in like two weeks. It shows. Yeah. Unlike the first one, which was written fast, it was with two guys who were on the same page. This guy was writing and then getting notes from probably producers and that's how that turns into a shit show yeah all of this like feels very manufactured as opposed to organically being just a film that's how you get jason bateman and this is because of his mama probably his data definitely his mother was the executive producer so her name is big and shiny before this movie starts and this movie is something so start with our history i'll go first i hadn't seen this movie in like 15 years it'd been a long time so you had seen it though before i somewhere in the 90s were you just like oh there's a second teen wolf i guess i'll just watch it was just on tv one day and i'm like there's a second teen wolf what the fuck you know and then i watched it and i was like oh i don't want to watch that again <laughs> yeah i think i had a i had a similar thing where i do remember it kind of being on tv comedy central uh, sometimes and I caught some of it but I feel like the first time I watched this all the way through was when I picked up the VHS 
couple years ago when I just I found it. Somebody was selling it, and I uh, in person or whatever. I found it at a store somewhere, and I was like, "Well, you know, I like the first one, so I'll check this one out." And that was like the first time I had watched it, and that was you know, a couple years ago only. And now revisiting it again for this, maybe only being the second time I've seen it all the way through. It's one of those just odd sequels that had sequelitis where it was rushed it's a rehash it's just one of those that like killed the franchise in a way it also didn't it killed the franchise of the the 80s you know where they stopped and we should talk about between the first movie and the second movie here we had an animated tv series which i didn't even know existed even though when i rewatched it i remember it existed beware scum when the moon is full. Oh no, not again. It's a hairy situation. I'll die if anyone sees me like this. Hey man, say, don't be shy if it happens to you. <sighs> Hi, Grandpa. Good morning, Scotty. It's fun being different if you have a healthy attitude. Only my friends Booth and Styles know my hairy secret. I'm feeling hairy, and my teeth are mean. I got a weird complexion, and I, I want to scream. I, I haven't seen the animated series at all, except for just, like, little clips on YouTube and stuff that you sent me. But, like, I haven't seen it. Have you watched any full episodes of the show? Not recently. I remember it now as a kid. It was replaying I believe it only had mm, 20 something episodes, maybe. Yeah, Wikipedia just says 21 episodes. So it was a one season thing. It probably just didn't hit. And then I do know that uh, the dad came back to be a voice in it. So, and he is also James back Hampton. in this. He's also back in this movie, too. So he stuck with the series then all the way through. Yeah, do you think they ever stuck him in the newer TV series they did for? MTV? I mean, I doubt it, but like, I would hope that they would. How cool would that have been? He stuck with the series through everything, but uh, I doubt it. It's MTV. <laughs> He's still alive, 84 years old. Wow. Let's look at his filmography. Let's see if they did it. No, no. It looks like he stopped acting in... Oh, no. They just didn't put him in because he acted all the way up to 2016. So just a missed opportunity there on their part. That's not cool. That's bogus. Oh, that's rough. Why would you not stick him in? I don't know. Is it great grandpa or something like that? Right. You should have. Yeah, that would have been a fun way to connect it to the, the movie series. But Matt, we've got to be gritty and dark. Oh, my God. We'll talk about the show after the movie. Yeah. Okay. So if we're walking down the video store aisle in 1988, let's say, does this attract you? I think so. Here's our here's our cover. It says Teen Wolf 2. It's a picture of Jason Bateman, again, painted like the first movie was. Uh, he's in a jean jacket looking cool. He's leaning on some books, and he's got the hairy wolfman arm. He's got the wolf uh, hair chest sticking out of his shirt, much like Michael J. Fox. And he's leaning on books that have to do with wolves and animals uh so the first book is like veterinary medicine then it's the wolfman cometh men are such animals uh state leash laws paws across america hair care for men 
some of the authors are like Harry Palms, You Are Beastly, Adventures in Genetics is one that's kind of dark on there. Need a Shave is one of the writers. Yeah, I'm just like looking at like the... So it's just like a silly cover for the movie and everything like that. Uh, I think this is enough to attract me. It looks like they fully embrace that it's a it, dumb comedy. The first one was an 80s comedy, but they didn't embrace the like dumbness. They seem to more kind of concentrate on, you know, family, a story of a father and a son, you know, maturity and everything. This one's just kind of leaning a little bit more into stupidity. Yeah, it's like a dumb college comedy, but like a PG one, which is just a weird choice in general. At least push it to like, uh, at this point, we would we had PG-13, at least push it to like a PG-13 level where, you know, it's a little sexier and it's a little, you know, wilder because it's college. But like, yeah, it's it's a weird choice to have it be like this dumb college comedy, but it's like very tame. Yeah, it is. It's it's uh, it's almost like they're like, let's do a comedy that a college comedy, 80s college comedy that could also occasionally be shown in a library. Like, like what? What are we doing here? Uh, there's no boobs, you know, which were notorious in 80s comedies. And of course, there wasn't in the first one. And there's no real cursing. There's no super inappropriate behavior. I don't know what this one's trying to be. The first one I understood, it was a family 80s teenager comedy. This one, I don't know what they're trying to cover. Yeah, I don't know who this one's for. I feel like the the fun thing about the first one is that it kind of is for everybody. It's got the family thing, but it's also, it's got enough edge with teen stuff that kids would like it. You know what I mean? This one loses all the edge. And it, it's, but it's also then not like a family movie necessarily either because it's a college movie. I, do, I feel like this movie is for absolutely no one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't agree. I can't disagree with you. I don't really want to ever watch this one again, uh, except in like another 10 years when people are like, man, do you remember that weirdness of Teen Wolf 2? And I'm like, do I? I own it. Uh, Shout Factory, you duped me again. No, that's, that's not true. I, I knew it was bad. I just was curious. Watch this one, like I said, for the first time all the way through, like only like a year or two ago, and then watching it again now, just like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like, well, when you you look at the the director, Christopher Lich, Lich, I think his name is. I don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't. Sorry, bud. I just don't really care because it's just not a good movie. It's it's weird, but I don't think it's weird on his accord. You know what I mean? Well, it's weird in that like one of the things I think that's the weirdest thing about this is like the movie does have what i don't want to say strong first act but i would say like a traditional first act yeah. world building we're learning the characters and everything like that but then the movie almost has no second or third act it just kind of meanders until the end and it's like you spend like the first half hour setting everything up and then you do nothing with it and then of course they're doing stuff like they have the him turn into the wolf and then it's the same exact plot as the last movie where he turns into a douchebag when he turns into a wolf and he's got to get back to what makes him him. It's the same exact story, but like there's no not there's nothing happening in that second and third act at all except for just a crazy dance sequence, some boxing and him being 
a douchebag to everyone he comes in contact with. Unlike uh, the the movie franchise here, uh, at least the director went on to have one hell of a career. He did quite a bit. I mean, right after this, he did the Beauty and the Beast TV series, which, I mean, I know now we look back and like don't remember. But at the time that even though it was only two seasons, kind of shocked people that what television could do at the time. Yeah, that was a big deal. I remember everybody watching that show and being, you know, uh, into the effects. And I wonder if this movie is what got him that job because of the effects work. Yeah, going into the TV land of this is Beauty and the Beast then led into kind of what Twin Peaks did, where people realized that television could be more than just shit. Yeah, it could be more than sitcoms and soaps. The, actually, Beauty and the Beast and Twin Peaks and then X-Files, in my opinion, really changed what television was. Younger kids will never understand how bad television was until they go back and look at it. And they're like, what were you thinking? And then I would be like, "What? don't blame me. <laughs> I, I do it. <laughs> it was just it was, again, like simple, but maybe not in a good way uh, for the 90s TV. Yeah, it, it, things needed to change. It was so bad. Like, if you go back and watch, as much as I loved Full House as a kid, I rewatched it as an adult, and I go, this is awful. Step by step, I'm going to throw a gauntlet. Step by step did Full House better than Full House ever did. Like, <laughs> I can see. I do wonder why Full House was so much popular than Step by Step. But yeah, Step by Step, I could see. Like, they even had a stepkid living with them. You know, they kind of, like, uh, expanded the traditional family, <laughs> I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I guess Full House did it too, but it was all the uncles. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's get the fuck out of that. 90s TV. Woof. Yeah, woof. Uh, it's just like this movie. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> woof. All right. So, Matt, we get any trailers on this? Because I don't think we did. Well, let me let me read the back of this here for you first, just so you know, just so we if you don't know what Team Wolf 2 is about by now, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Here's our description from the back. Again, on the back, we only get one picture. This time it is a still from the movie. It's Styles and the Wolf, like with the crowd of adoring fans and the college campus. And here's our description. Remember the family curse that turned high schooler Scott Howard into a fanged funny werewolf? Well, the good times are back. Scott's college-bound cousin Todd is Teen Wolf 2. And the school thinks he's going to do for boxing what Scott did for basketball. Jason Bateman, Valerie's family, stars as the bookish freshman whose full-moon transformation into a big wolf on campus brings him glory, girls, and a conflict of values. There's also one more line that's covered by a sticker I can't read. But that's basically your plot (laughs) um and then moving on yeah there's no trailers on here so we just get right into the movie and now our feature presentation yeah and we get right into immediately showing the dad from the first one yeah he's back and it's a welcome welcome return he's the uncle this time in this one yeah so the kid's name in this one what is his name i'm gonna remember it todd yeah Yes, Todd from the video store, our old friend. He is now the star of this film. So Todd and his uncle Harold are driving to college and we're immediately picking up like, oh, this is what we're doing. Uh, We're shoehorning the dad in because, of course, Michael J. Fox isn't going to return to this. Not with this script anyway. And this is Jason Bateman's first movie. So like a little bit the opposite here. (laughs) 
Yeah, I wonder how old he was at this point. I don't know. I I would say, like, he looks like 18, honestly. He's so young. Yeah, he does look pretty young in this, for sure. He looks like definitely college age. So this is 87, so he's he was literally 18 years old. <laughs> they were like, he's 18, we gotta get him in we gotta get him in movies. He's not a bad actor by any means at this point. Now he isn't the full Jason Bateman that we know now. Well, he's been two different Jason Batemans. Or three. He was kind of the the shitty eighties comedy kid for a while. Then he turned into the really sarcastic Jason Bateman that I think most of us know, where his wit is so dry but so quick. Yeah, very biting, very like harsh, dry wit. Yeah. And now he's turned into just an all-around good actor in Ozark. Because I don't know if how much of Ozark you watched, but he is he is one hell of a Hollywood talent. Yeah, I haven't seen Ozark, but uh, I've seen some dramatic turns from him, and he is really good. Uh, and he, he transitioned beautifully from sarcastic, funny guy to like dark drama actor and director now too. But yeah, there's I, I would say in Teen Wolf, there's nothing of the Jason Bateman we know. There's no shades of it there. You know what I mean? He's there's even the sarcastic humor is not really there yet. He hasn't found his thing yet. So in Teen Wolf 2, it could really be anybody in this movie. He like you like you said, he's good. He's fine. He's a good actor and he's he's trying in this movie, but he just doesn't he doesn't have his shtick yet at all in this. No, he's just reading lines and and doing what he thinks is funny and, and like well, a lot of young actors have to learn what works and what doesn't and it usually takes some time and clearly he needs a little bit more maturity but hey you got to start somewhere exactly and my tepid feelings on this movie have nothing to do with jason bateman because you know i'll just explicitly say it, i love jason bateman. i think he's great i think he's i think he's one of the, my favorite people to follow like i, I really like him a lot but yeah, in, in this movie, there's nothing there. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, <laughs> he needs a lot more maturity. Yes. Ooh. He needs to find his rhythm. He needs to find his thing. It's just not here yet. This whole movie needs to find its thing. <laughs> like, so we bring back styles and the actor. I don't have any problem with the actor in a personal level or whatever like that. But he is no styles. He's hard to watch sometimes. That boy's got werewolf written all over him. Everything goes as planned. He and I are going to take this school by storm. Yeah, I also like this actor. We've talked about him before. He's he's uh, the character Richie that is in both Prehysteria and Remote. Yeah. Uh, he's that actor. I like this guy. I think he's funny. I like his, his gimmick or whatever. But yeah, it does not translate. This isn't even Styles. I don't know why they couldn't have just named the character something else. This is his college party buddy. It doesn't need to be Styles because it's com- something completely different. It's just really desperate and looks kind of sad that you made this guy Styles. He couldn't even be his own actor. Or play his own role. Exactly. He can't do his own thing, but he's not very good at doing the styles thing. So, like, it doesn't work either way. So I think they would have just benefited from creating a new character instead of just shoehorning him into this. And then, and the same thing, we get Chubbs back, too. We get that actor, uh, Mark Holden, back, 
but he's got nothing to do in this movie so it's like why bother then well and he looked 25 years old in the first one he looks like he's 30 in this one yeah what is he doing there you know (laughs) do we need it no you don't it's a desperate attempt to hold on to the success of the first one and it shows that you have no confidence in what you're about to make. It, yeah. It's like, oh, let's shove in these characters so we can put that in the trailer and people come back. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's more sad. And then then like when you watch a sequel and you see a character that you fell in love with in the first one, you should be like thrilled that you get to hang out with them again for 90 minutes. And it just doesn't feel like that here at all. It just yeah. Desperate is a good word for it. He meets a girl who is definitely styled off Boof, or it's it's the girl next door. And the actress is fine. The chemistry between her and Bateman is stale. Yeah, it's not there like Boof and Scott in the first movie. There's no chemistry here. And they think just by having there be like the nerdish, bookish girl being the love interest, it's like, oh, she's the cute girl next door. But it doesn't translate here at all because, like you said, the lack of chemistry. Yeah, like you look at her and you're like, I get it. She's just got like a really sweet look, face. And it's not so much where I'm like, wow, she's so cute. And she's the girl next door. There's a sweetness to her in her eyes Mm -hmm. where she doesn't look. I mean, she'd be the perfect serial killer. I'd never see it coming. <laughs> so, like, the sweetness there. You, there's trust. She's also, by the way, can we calm down on the Reagan dressing? She's wearing some of the ugliest clothing I've ever seen. Everything is like, by the way, she has no body shape. Yeah, it's like conservative Reagan cover him up kind of like thing like throw blankets on the women <laughs> yeah she showed up in like a party or something at one time and i was like oh my god she has a a human form i didn't know uh and immediately i wanted to rape someone and do coke so i was like oh i get why they covered someone up like come on people this is stupid why did we do we did this though at a certain point in the 80s and then in the 90s we were more i mean obviously we had the whole grunge age but in the 90s, we more neutered the script, not what the girl or guy was wearing. It, it, there's, it wouldn't it be fun to talk about how we changed with our appearances of young women in film? Because at one point, we would dress them down, but they would maybe say or act, you know, a little rebellious. But in the 90s, they would dress rebellious, but say next to nothing rebellious. Yeah, this is like 87, I think, is a perfect time when all that sort of Reagan ultra conservatism snapped into place here. Uh, We saw a lot of rebelling against it around this time. Like think of like Carpenter's movies like They Live and stuff like that was 86. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's uh, this is the time when that bubbled to the surface. So if we did that case study, I really do feel like 86, 87 is going to be where we start to see like the cover them up. They can be smart women. They could be bookish and read and stuff like this character in this movie, but cover them up. They can't have a form. (laughs) It's so weird. It's such a weird time period where like people would be okay with them, like blowing a homeless dude's head off. But man, if they showed too much cleavage, (laughs) 
every man in the world could explode. What do we do? They won't be able to control themselves. They'll turn into wolves. <laughs> Sex maniacs. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, it was it was pretty bad. The, yeah. the media on the especially the end of the Reagan era just got just awful. And then I don't know what it was, the Bush era, but then when it turned into the Clinton era and the whole like fight against the video games and comic books, it was awful, kids. I don't think you know how bad 1992 to like I'd say 98 was in movies. Like we would have weirdness because what they did was, well, if we can't be sexual, you know, because everyone has sex in a way, you know, or at least everyone's having those thoughts instead will be weird <laughs> yeah the 90s were a very strange time yeah. to come up for sure but yeah like this this time wow so weird <laughs> mm-hmm. and i wonder too if this movie is neutered because of that too because if you think of like the censorship of like the friday the 13th movies for example or like where they cut all the gore out the censorship of music that nancy reagan was going after uh music artists and making them have to put the parental advisory stickers on them Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like I think just coming out at this time also really did this movie a disservice because it can't push any limits at all. It can't be, it can't be crazy wild college times because it's got to be about family and this conservative, you know, man meets woman and then they get married. And you know, like this, this very stale ultra conservative 50s look that was dying out at the end of the 80s but at this time was just like came to a real head before it died out yeah i wonder if they ever considered doing kind of the switcheroo in a way that they did with number one where the blonde was kind of the more aggressor uh like a you know aggressively attacking the wolf and this one i wonder if the writer ever considered like it would be funny if the girl next door was the aggressor but I guess the girl next door in the first one was more of the aggressor because she's the one who was pursuing Scott. Right. She makes out with him in the closet yeah. in that first movie. And this one has the, the blonde temptress girl as well again. But, but she hates the cousin here, Todd. Yeah. And she's so neutral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's like, yeah, she's kind of flirting with him and using him for status or whatever. But like. Yeah, they don't they don't get along necessarily. And it's weird. I would say the brunette is more of the one who would be willing to take advantage of Todd, who ended up um, dating and marrying. Oh, what's his name from 90210? Luke Perry. Oh, that's she. She did. Yeah, this is Luke Perry's wife for the longest time. I think they divorced in the early 2000s. They have a daughter who is. I don't know if she's acting, but she's definitely very popular because when I looked up her mom's name, that's all I saw was her. And then I realized like, oh, Luke Perry's daughter. Okay. All right. And then you kind of go down that funny little rabbit hole and you realize uh, she pretty much stopped acting because she married Luke Perry. Oh, Okay. Sad. <laughs> but if that's what she wanted to do, you know, that's great. She, yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want. Did she feel like she didn't need to act anymore because she had enough money? I'm fine with that. Hell, <laughs> if I married uh, whomever had a lot of money and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to fucking deal with trying out. 
Oh, yeah. If that's what she wanted to do, if she just wanted to chill, fuck yeah, I'm in. Rock that. on. <laughs> <laughs> I chill with that money, too. Hell that yeah. Luke Perry money? Boom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going into it. And by the way, they show off her body in one a couple scenes. Uh, so we know what she was put into the movie for, and it's kind of like, yeah, maybe she was game for it. She's like, yeah, I got this rockin' body. You know what I mean? Like, I, you never know if it's just like if she was being used or she's like she knew what she was doing. Yeah, you know, you'll never know with a lot no, of these no, kind of movies. No. <laughs> I assume it was a bunch of sleazy Hollywood guys being like, yeah, okay, you can try out for this movie. <laughs> uh, can you put on this green bikini? Like, creepo. I, yeah. I feel like most of the roles are that. Uh, super creeps casting people for sure maybe i can have a little bit of hope in being like she was like i know what i'm doing i don't give a fuck yeah cash <laughs> give me my money exactly <laughs> uh speaking of cashing paychecks there is somebody that i do like in this movie and that's mr john astin because he brings it every time and he's on his level 100 as usual in this yeah. movie as well. And he's always fun to watch. Well, I love John Aston. He, he's reprising the role of the evil principal or vice principal from the first one. Yes. Uh, I, I guess they're just doing their best to make a, a second bad guy. Yeah. And he like the scene with him and the replacement coach and the dog, which is like the opening scene or one of the early scenes in the movie. It's definitely John Aston's introduction into the movie uh, is fun. It's a pretty fun scene. And he's good at this villain, over the top villain character. I've been wanting to speak with you, young man. Your disruptive behavior at yesterday's reception warrants my personal attention, don't you think? I don't like practical jokes. I am not a funny man. Frankly, I fail to see the humor dressing up in a dog costume and trying to frighten our alumni. Don't give me any of that back talk. If you're trying to push me, <laughs> you have no idea who you're dealing with. Uh, there's just nothing for him to really, like the script doesn't give him anything to do. No. So he's a villain. He's a ge- generic we just got to work him. We just got to use him to be the boxing champion so we can get our school on the map, whatever. Typical villain. The script yeah. doesn't give him anything to do. But he's having fun. I think he was fun to watch. Oh, it's well, and it kind of shows you quickly how shitty the script is. Like the coach, which is apparently the coach from the high school from the first movie, comes. He's just like, I uh, coached his cousin in basketball. Yeah, he's a musician, but I'm going to put him part of the boxing team. Let's give him a full scholarship. And clearly the audience picks up. It's like, oh, it's because he's a werewolf. <laughs> the Dean seems to have everything hinged on the boxing team doing well, but he only brings in one scholarship for the boxing team. I don't think it's like a money thing for the school. I think it's just like that they want to win a box. They haven't had a boxing championship. And they're like, well, this one kid was a wolf and did great for basketball. So his cousin's a wolf and we'll bring him in for boxing now. Like I just, I literally think it's as stupid and as simple as that. Like yeah. <laughs> it may be. Yeah, fine. I'll accept that. I, <laughs> whatever. Let's just get to the werewolf dancing. Cause we didn't talk about it in the first teen wolf, but we're certainly going to talk about it in this because just like teen wolf one, 
you know, when the wolf is doing extraordinary things on the basketball court, it's someone else. <laughs> the dancing and the singing is a complete different person. It's a fun scene if you look at it by itself, not attached to the film. If you look at it attached to the film, it's fucking bonkers. Yeah, this scene, the Do You Love Me scene, is in the trailer. And it works in the trailer. And in the trailer, it makes it look like, oh, this movie might be kind of fun. But yeah, you're you're totally right. In the context of the movie, at this point, it's too little too late. Like, it just doesn't do anything to light this movie up, this dead fish movie, uh, when it tries to with this. It's even, like, so desperate as to, like, okay... We had the Beach Boys. We had a 60s song in the last one. What 60s song can we license for this one? (laughs) (laughs) That is popular enough, but cheap enough. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that really irritates me in this movie is, unlike Scott in the first one who overlooks Boof and then comes back, they had a relationship for a long time. And you could tell that they really liked each other. And this film... He fucking meets this girl a couple times and then he comes back to her. He's like, I really need your help. We've seen you interact with her like three times and you were a dick to her when she got all dressed up and came to that party and you fucking ignored her. Also, he's been hooking as the wolf been hooking up with every other girl on campus. There's just like a revolving door into his dorm room and like and then he's just supposed to be like, you know what? Now that I fucked everybody on campus, you're you were right. I gotta go back to you. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, it makes the character look so weak. Boof never looked weak. No. Boof looked like someone where she could sit there and be like, I told you. Right. She's the one that saves him from becoming the like asshole wolf. And this one, it's just his teacher who saves him. You know, and his dad. Well, his uncle. Oh, yeah, yeah, his uncle, sorry, uh, Scott's dad. But um, they just tricked you how they wanted to trick everyone else. Exactly, they just <laughs> fooled me the way they wanted to. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> like it's his teacher that saves him, basically, in this one. And yeah, it's so stupid. I know what you're doing. I know about the car, the grades, and the promises. And I want you to lay off. Todd Howard has a future at this school, but it's not in the ring. Who do you think you're talking to? They'll do exactly as I say. You don't own him. Is this your idea of a threat? No. This is. Is there any saving grace in this film to you? Saving grace? No. There's stuff I like, but there's not like a thing that I think saves this movie (laughs) i i just watched the film like one week ago and i can't even remember who the main boxing bad guy was i i know it was a really big guy who was dating the blonde but he had no character (laughs) you don't know because yeah exactly he didn't have anything he was just a big guy who happened to be dating and was kind of like a bully but didn't have any standout stuff yeah he reminds me of the big guy that was in top gun was always wearing the shades. Mm-hmm. Um, you stink. I'm going to play the clip from Top Gun right now. Slider. You stink. He reminds me of him where they're trying to play on this trope of like a really muscular 80s guy who always wore the shades. But 
he's boring. This is what I was talking about. And like, there's no act two or act three, because this is where you can develop the rivalry between the bully and the main character. This is where you can develop the, the tension with his girlfriend, like the, the blonde temptress girlfriend or whatever. And Todd, you could build all this stuff up in the second act here and they just refuse to do any of it. And that makes all these characters super forgettable. Yeah, they're stale. And then they give us this fucking dance scene to try to make up for it. Like in the middle of act two or at the end of act two, we get this fucking dance sequence that's supposed to bring everybody together. And it does nothing. It's just a fucking, it's just Jason Bateman in a goofy wolf suit jumping around a campus. And that's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, the only thing that tricked me in this entire film or was a pleasant surprise, I don't really know what to call it, was when his teacher who I noticed while watching the film, I go, wow, they're giving this this actress a lot of attention. So I assumed her teacher would come through at the end, like saving him from failing or whatever. Then it turns out she is a werewolf, but they don't put her in werewolf makeup because they're too cheap and this is too rushed. Instead, they just, I guess, female werewolves have tails? Yeah, we, we get a tail wag. That's our or signifier that she's a wolf. But they've never established that with the male wolves. So it's, I don't know if this is like, isn't this, you know, cute and a characteristic you didn't think about? Or is it just really cheap and added on? Yeah, it seems tacked on. And it's like the whole thing too is, this is a family curse because we've talked about the father Mm -hmm. who's Todd's uncle and then Scott and then he, the father also mentions that the mother had it too. The dead mother from the first one had it as well. It's a family thing. So what, like, I'm not saying that there's not other werewolves because I'm sure if it's a family thing, there's other families that have this curse. But then bringing this one character haphazardly slapped at the end of this movie is also a werewolf. It, it asks too many questions. It's like, well, how widespread is this thing then? How many families have it? Which generations of these people have it? Can they, you know, I don't know. Too many questions that it's not going to bother to answer. I felt it was interesting if you'd keep going. Push it a little bit. At least show her as a werewolf. Jesus Christ. Yeah, put her in the makeup. Like how much, how little money did you have or time? Come on, if this is going to be the whole thing that was supposed to be like shock the audience. (gasps) It's more than the family. It's everywhere. You know, like there's thousands to millions of werewolves we don't know about or something. I don't know. To me, it's probably tacked on just because the writer was looking for something interesting. It wasn't a thought process of going on with the franchise. No, I don't think, yeah, this was meant to continue anything. I think it was just to, she becomes the stand-in for the father character in the first one. She just becomes the advisory role that's also a werewolf. Yeah, agreed. Uh, The movie ends and he wins the boxing match him and the girl kiss i don't know start dating whatever he passes his test and then everything's good uh the bully's beaten and we can go about our day and forget about this weird ass film that really i will never watch this again maybe again maybe in like 10 years when someone's like remember how weird that was like yeah i'll rewatch it but now i own a blu-ray that kind of just gonna sit on my shelves yeah, I do. I feel I agree with you. I feel like this is one that is going to come back up at some point. I'm going to dig this one out. But yeah, it's not it's not it doesn't have any of the magic of the first one. No. 
Oh, I know. The charm is gone. Yes. The only charm in this entire thing is maybe the girl next door, but it's not used much. And John Austin. That's about it. Uh, and again, not even used to the fullest extent. No. I, I, the, the nice, and this isn't like, this isn't like a museum thing for me, but like one good thing I'll say about the movie, I guess, is the first 30 minutes are fine. And they set up the world and they set up everything. And yeah, there's a lot of disappointments, styles, mm-hmm. chubs being in it, not being used, whatever. But like the first 30 minutes builds the world nicely, I feel like. It at least sets the tone for where we're going to go. But then what just kills it for me is that it never goes anywhere past that. Yeah, and this film was so bad that they canceled the NES game for it. That's funny. <laughs> That's rough. Like... There's been a lot of shitty NES games based off movie titles. Teen Wolf 2 was so bad that they're like, ah, we, we don't think we can capitalize this on, on this anymore. That's rough. We didn't see any Teen Wolf stuff then until the show. No, oh, in 2011, I think? Yeah, I think, yeah, that sounds right. I don't know anything about the Teen Wolf TV series. I've never seen an episode. I don't know who stars in it. I don't know nothing. But I imagine that was a desperation act of we had another script. We don't think it could work. Hey, what if we add Teen Wolf to it? Because that was popular for a while in the 80s. And then they just used it. I don't know if that's true at all. There's no, based on no fact, it's just complete bullshit from Steve's mind. And if even if they did have, you know, they intended on doing teen wolf from the beginning they're like oh let's do teen wolf as a show but it's dark they just go like the vampire diaries route with it and it's just like yeah there's nothing at all remotely connected to any of these teen wolf movies or the animated series or anything like that like i've i've only seen clips from it and read stuff about it uh i know it lasted for like six seasons so it was popular enough people seem to like it but like this kind of soapy teen dramas from the 2010s are just so not my thing now it's the whole twilight exactly look and feel of these vampire werewolf and i'm sure there was something else i you know whatever i it wasn't for me first of all it was too old exactly i was in my 20s and these were shows for teens i wasn't interested i'll just shake my fist at it like an old man and be like that's shit Honestly, even all the younger 20-year-olds that I occasionally talk to at work or whatever, none of them bring Teen Wolf up. I've never heard one person. And there are some females mixed in there, too, which I think the series was kind of pointed at. Maybe as, like, the number one demographic. I'm not saying the whole demographic. I would hope no idiots would only point at one demographic. You try to get a few more in there. None of them talk about this. I think it was popular at the time, but I think it was a flash in the pan thing. People still were kind of into the Twilighty, soapy teen, can't be together, sad dramas. And I just don't think those are popular anymore. I don't think people are interested in that anymore. And I do think that's why this show kind of faded, even though it was popular enough to last so many seasons. I completely agree with you. So uh, ready to move on to museum? Let's do it. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. 
That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and we bring something back to our museum. Teen Wolf Wing. It's a short wing because we're never going to review the animated TV series and we're never going to review the MTV series. So let's do it. Can I go first? Go for it. I kind of want to put a, a, a lump of coal in this. It sucks. I hate doing this, but Styles is bad. Different. It's just a different character. Why didn't you name him something else and have him be like a new guy, his roommate? Why can't he just be like a college roommate? I, I don't know why they did this. I, yeah, just be another wild, wacky college roommate. Styles was popular, and I guess we'll never understand how popular he was because we were you weren't born and I was so young I'm I, I don't remember shit. Was Styles that popular that you had to bring back someone else? And if he was that popular, pay the fucking money and get him back. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I don't understand it, but he's awful. The haircut's bad. And he has no charisma, even though I've seen him in other roles that I like him in. I agree. Just totally, like, wasted him. It's bad. <laughs> Your turn. Are you going to shine some light of positivity, or are you going the lump of coal route? I think I'm going to go the lump of coal route just because there's nothing that I... Like, I, I've mentioned the two things that I think are the strongest of this movie. The first 30 minutes and John Aston. Those are the two best things you know, I can't put those in the museum because they didn't really, like, fix anything. You know what I mean? It still felt so flat. Um, so maybe I'll just actually expand upon yours, which I think is just wasted characters. You don't do anything new with Todd. You change styles completely. You waste Chubbs. You waste John Aston. Like, and then, yeah, you don't put Kim Darby in the werewolf makeup when she's revealed to be a werewolf. Just wasted characters. And what made some of these 80s movies so great was that you had this full supporting cast of interesting characters that built up our main character, and that is just gone here. Our side characters are just plain one-dimensional nothings. So wasting your supporting cast, and really Jason Bateman doesn't have much to do in this either. He's doing the same shtick as one but toned down. Like, it's just... Wasting your characters is the worst offense you could do in a series like this when it's based when, when side characters are so important to the thing. M missed opportunity. It's like Wolf, but Wolf with a cough then. So it's like Wolf. <coughs> yeah, this movie's pointless. It's just a, <laughs> it's, it's a cash grab. It's kind of the most vapid example of a cash grab. It's it's kind of gross. Yeah, and that like. You couldn't wait another year and develop this? Really? Like, with all these other scripts throughout time of people waiting a little bit longer, like, you have about five years to cash grab on the momentum. Maybe three years, okay? I, I don't know. Three to five years. Let's say that. Let's be conservative. Back off. Get something good. This is terrible. I agree. And, like, you, you look at, like, the first movie where they took the time to write songs for the movie and you know the movie's so well cast and everything like that and then the, and then they were smart enough like we talked about in the last episode they were smart enough to wait to release it 
you know, two months after the popularity of Back to the Future. This one just has none of those thoughts. And it's, it is gross because it's this rushed thing. It's a rushed script. It's a familiar script. It's just doing the same thing as the first movie. And then like, yeah, it's a vanity project for the Bateman family too. All of it stinks. All of it's gross. (laughs) Do you love me? No. Not really. Not particularly. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Sorry, Batemans. You know, you hit enough home runs. You can strike out a few times. Yeah, this was a big strikeout. Uh, as we as we close the museum, though, I do want to say, never say never to adding to the wing because I did look up and there are VHS tapes of the animated series. We may come across one someday, so never say never. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that was released on VHS. Yeah, there's, there's one tape that has three episodes and one tape that has four episodes, so we may come across it someday. Oh, man, 21 episodes. Where are the lost ones? <laughs> we'll never see them. The The rights for the music for the show are, are fucked because Shout Factory, when they put out the two movies, tried to put out a complete series of the animated series as well, and they got shot down because they couldn't get the rights to the music stuff from the oh. show. So we'll never see those other episodes unless they pop up on like YouTube. You know, they're exploring every avenue of like just replacing the music. Yeah, which is what happens a lot of times for these things when they get re-released. But uh, who knows? Maybe it's too deep. Maybe it's something that seems easy that isn't easy. I don't know. But whatever the reason is, it got just shot down, canceled. Like I didn't even know they'd have very popular music from the TV series. Well, I who knows if it's even popular? It may not even be popular. And that's maybe why they can't find who owns this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Oh, that's sad. Uh, I will be honest. I never would have purchase that anyway so maybe that's part of it too maybe they don't want to go too far into it because it's just like how much money can we make off this yeah how much money do they want to pour into a thing that is probably only going to just be for collectors there's not really a clamoring for the animated series on (laughs) blu-ray okay matt after this we're doing a franchise review are you excited or scared I'm very excited, actually. I know that it's going to be a lot of ups and downs, for sure, and some far downs, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, I'm very excited because this is a franchise that I've made a mission that I wanted to do, and then you've got really into as well. I'm really fired up about us talking about uh, the first half of the franchise mm-hmm. uh, coming up in October. So it's spooky. It's a spooky one. And I'm, it's one I'm very excited to dig in on the entire franchise of because I've been meaning to do it for so long. Yeah, I got into the franchise because of your excitement of getting into it. My viewpoint of it has been I've seen so little of it, but yet it's such an ongoing uh, popular with air quotes. I don't know, but it keeps going. And then we had... The Weinsteins get into the franchise. I'm not giving the name away. It's just one of those things where you're like, really? I Because I've only seen the first. And we're going to do the first five. And I'm not revealing the name. Figure it out. Uh, You know, go full Eddie Valentine on this. (laughs) I, I don't understand the popularity of this. Because I've never been a part of it. So now I'm going right into the pearly gates of this crazy franchise 
Yeah, and I've I've seen over half of the franchise, uh, but I haven't seen all of them. There's definitely some deep pockets I've missed out on on the franchise, like of some of them. So I'm I'm excited to see them all the way through in order. Also, I've seen them just so fucking randomly and sporadic throughout the years that I'm excited to go in order and just see how this fucking thing exists and what this is and what this franchise is. And I think it's going to be really fun, not just to talk about each individual movie, which we're going to do, but talking about it as a whole is going to be really fun to like look back on it even even just this first half how did we get from one to five like it's going to be really fun to explore true and we'll have a few guests on it it's going to be fun yeah it's going to be a good time and it's going to be spooky for halloween yeah buddy fall's coming (laughs) halloween's coming yay my favorite month yeah, hopefully we'll have like a Zoom Halloween party. I don't know how it's going to work. We're going to figure something out. It'll be great regardless. It's Halloween time, baby. It's the best time of the fucking year. Yeah! <laughs> it's at least our favorite time. That's right. And that's all that matters. <laughs> that's right. It's our podcast. The rest of the world doesn't matter in the Analog Jones podcast, except, of course, our VHS hounds. That's right. That's right. We're in the VHS land here, and that's all we're existing with. And it's fucking great around Halloween time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right, everyone. Come back next week for our the beginning of the franchise that is a secret. And remember to be kind and rewind.